Brandon Brands. Hey, it's Chris Strub here, the CEO of I Am Here LLC, author of 50 States, 100 Days, the book, all about connecting with people in real life, just like my friend, Brandon Burkmeyer, your host of the Brands on Brands on Brands podcast. And if you're listening here today, I promise you, you're in the right place. In a world where advertising is ignored, business is exposed, and the only constant is change, how do you build a brand that matters? Welcome to Brands on Brands on Brands, a home for those who think different and push their boundaries. This is where branding that matters lives. Now, here's your host, Brandon Berkmeyer. Hey everyone, welcome to the show. Today I'm excited to bring you Chris Strub. Chris is a social media educator, speaker, storyteller. He's written a book. He's the first person to live stream in all 50 US states. This guy is really interesting. I ran into him because when I was going to a marketing conference called Social Media Marketing World, and I reached out to get to know people before, he was one of them that reached back out and said, hey, I'd love to meet you. Come say hi. And he happened to be a speaker at the conference. That was awesome. And what was he talking about? Well, social media and specifically Twitter, which caught my attention because of the one-to-one nature of that. So what you'll hear a little bit about today, aside from his travels and his book that he wrote, which is called 50 States, 100 Days, The Book, where he traveled solo and unsponsored to all corners of the country, weaving together stories of youth-related nonprofits using a broad variety of social media tools. Besides that, uh, we jump into things like personal branding and how we're writing the rules right now as we go with this generation. And being the ones that figure it out, you just have to get out there and do it. We talk about Twitter and how it's underutilized and how it's a great place for you to meet anyone you want and reach out and start conversations. And most people and even businesses are likely to reach back out and talk to you. That's a powerful tool. And even if it's not a place that you want to spend a lot of time, you could at least own your space, make it a parking lot and put some great information to direct people to where they can find you, to where you are active. Lots of great tips, different ways to think about social media and business and branding in general. I really think you guys are going to like what we have to share today. All right, uh, let's get the show started. I want to bring to you today, Chris Strub. Chris, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really excited to have you, especially because I uh, just came back from Social Media Marketing World and decided, you know, because of, of you, I've met a lot of cool people. And just from a simple conversation on Twitter uh, that you started, really got introduced to a lot of people there. So that a lot of connecting that started to happen. And then now it's coming full circle and I get to bring you on the show So I'm really excited to learn about you today and introduce you to my audience and introduce you to to people as well that can hopefully find you through this or vice versa. But wanted to start with, as I came across you, was on Twitter, I learned that you are also, this is what you talk about. This is, you know, this is a topic that you dive deep into and have some expertise in. You also write, besides doing speaking, uh, which you were speaking at Social Media Marketing World. Uh, You work with clients, you have an online course. You're actively involved with nonprofits. You have a lot going on there. Uh, I do. Would love to start by letting people know, like, where are you putting your most time and energy these days? You know, what's going on with you right now? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be here with you this afternoon. 
I think the majority of my creative energy these days is being poured into giving days around the United States. Um, you know, I know Social Media Marketing World is a couple of weeks ago now. We're recording here in the beginning of April. But between uh, World and now, um, I actually did an additional stop in San Antonio, Texas. And I was partnering with the folks from the Nonprofit Council, working with the Big Give 2019, which is a 24-hour online giving day that took place on March 28th. And they raised uh, cumulatively more than $4.6 million in a 24-hour period uh, through exclusively online donations. And you know, it's, it's really been interesting and, and fun parlaying a, a lot of the, the creative work that you mentioned there in that introduction into this, this uh, really concentrated and this really specific niche of giving days. You know, again, working with San Antonio, about a month from now, I'll be back in St. Louis to work with Give STL Day. And then uh, this September, I'll be back in Louisville, Kentucky for an event called Give for Good Louisville, all in the same vein of wanting to share stories in a, in a concentrated fashion, focusing a lot on the, the live video end of my skill set, sharing stories of nonprofits, whose stories deserve to be told on a daily basis. So 2019 is, is for me, it's the year of being the giving day guy. And I'm really on the lookout for more giving days to, uh, to partner with in between all of these, uh, these wild speaking engagements that I've been invited to throughout the spring and the summer. All right. Now let's, uh, let's stop on that for a second. So I read the, the 50 days challenge or 50 states, 50, what, 100 days. Could tell us a little bit more of like, what was your, where did this come from? What was the intention Explain what your idea was, how it came to be. So in the summer of 2015, I took a road trip to all 50 U.S. states in 100 days, and I worked with a different youth-related nonprofit organization in each state. It started here uh, from Greenville, South Carolina, where I'm recording from today, and ended back in Asheville, North Carolina. So my joke for us uh, you know, Carolinians is that I went from South Carolina to North Carolina the long way. But really, you know, the origin story came from wanting to travel and explore the United States. Again, we're recording here in 2019. We'll remember back to 2014, 2015. It was a very different country back then, you know, a very different world that we were living in. And it was really exciting to be able to use these uh, native storytelling tools like Snapchat and Meerkat and Periscope to get out and share the stories of as many organizations as I could. And really, Brandon, I think it ties back to me wanting to leave my mark on the world. You know, it's this idea of creating a legacy and never knowing when is going to be your last day on earth. And, you know, if I got hit by a bus tonight, you know, knock on wood, you know, I know that even now at, at a relatively young age that I've left something that has made this world a better place. So I always try and lead every single day on this earth, every conference that I'm at, every giving day that I work with or nonprofit that I partner with, I try and give everything 150%, really just trying to make a positive impact. So again, blending those, those natural mobile storytelling skills with wanting to work with nonprofits and really a, a, a bit of wanderlust, right? And really wanting to explore more of the United States after 10 years up in Binghamton, New York. It was quite an, an interesting adventure. And if you don't mind me asking, how did you get started working with nonprofits? I know a lot of people sometimes can't even figure out what, like who they want to help because they haven't had something in their life that had made it personal. They may still want to help. But how, how did you get into this? Obviously, you've taken, taken it pretty seriously and, and taken the extra step and made it a part of your life. But how did you get in? How did you get started? 
so it's very personal to me. Um, I went to, I mentioned I went to Binghamton University. I graduated in 2007, go Bearcats. And uh, my RA was a gentleman named Lee Karshauer. And Lee, in the, the years after uh, we graduated, um, he founded a nonprofit organization called Pay Away the Layaway. And Pay Away the Layaway is an organization that pays off layaway plans for families in low-income areas and areas of need around the United States. You know, having that, that years-long relationship with Lee, in December of 2014, I was asked to be a layaway angel here in upstate South Carolina. And as a layaway angel, I got to actually go in and on behalf of the organization's donors, I got to physically pay off layaway plans and literally save Christmas for a number of families here in upstate South Carolina. And the emotions that I felt that day, Brandon, you know, of being able to, to give a hug and, and uh, shed some tears with those families, uh, with those, the, the, those grandmothers and those, those mothers and fathers, it was something that I had never really felt before. And it immediately shifted uh, something in my mind that said, I want to do that. And I want to feel that rush of emotion as much as I possibly can. And so again, in reevaluating what I wanted to do with my life, heading into 2015, I knew that I had my 30th birthday coming up. And I knew that, uh, hey, if I could squeeze in a 100-day road trip to all 50 states and share the stories of some nonprofits along the way, that was it. So we circled May 15th on the calendar, got the anniversary coming up again here in a, in a few weeks. And I uh, was able to complete that 100-day journey just a, a day or two before I turned 30. So it's really a matter of having a big idea and executing upon it at all costs. You know, that's, what the, the, that's the story that the book tells. That's the story that, that 50 States, 100 Days, the film tells. And you know, it's really kind of driven me to this point in my career that shows me that you know, when you're young and you do choose to, to take a shot, you know, sometimes that shot will pay off. I appreciate you sharing the story. The, I mean, kind of one of the things I love about media these days is that there's, it starts to bring us together. There's more places for us to tell these stories and find connection where other people can hear the story. Maybe it resonates with someone and they want to get involved. And I think you've, you know, getting to know media, you've been able to share the story of your give of the giving uh, charity uh, nonprofit, as well as other things you're involved with because you've figured out how to use these channels and, and, and use them in a way to make this really big world a lot smaller, which I, I appreciate. Would love to talk a little bit more about how you kind of started to figure out media. Like where, where did that background come from? Excellent question. So out of college, I worked at the Press and Sun Bulletin um, in Binghamton, which is the Gannett newspaper up there from 2006 uh, until 2012. So I worked on the copy desk. Um, so I would literally design the front pages of newspapers. And you know, as uh, 07, 08, 09, you know, 2010 started to click by, you know, a little thing called Facebook started to become a, a pretty big deal. And then it was, you know, oh, well, what's this Twitter thing? Hey, Chris, can you help us figure that out, right? Instagram and, and all of these social media channels started not just to creep into the, the vernacular, but really started to bite away at the attention that had been concentrated in that product for many, many decades. And so I do come with a bit of a traditional news background. I do like to, to, to brag a little bit that I understand what makes a story attractive to the local media. You know, I talk about that in the film a little bit as well, but you know, being able to attract earned media through 50 States, 100 Days was, was a big part of it. But again, Brandon, I think the bigger picture is the particleization and, and the, the, the fresh egalitarian nature of the media, right? That, yeah, we still can watch... NBC and CBS and ABC and, and uh, 
you know, CNN and Fox and, and, you know, these channels still exist. But, you know, as we surf into 2019, 2020, and we look ahead, you know, three, four, five, 10 years, the way that we consume media, especially as us millennials, and I don't know exactly how old you are, Brandon, but, you know, as, as my generation gets older here, you know, that millennial generation, I'm 33 now, you know? So, you know, you talk about spending power and, and viewing power and, and the, the, just the overall numbers of audience now where we're starting to introduce Gen Z. They don't even know how to work a television anymore. It, it's really just sort of taking that forward thinking approach and trying to understand what does consumption of media look like in the future and trying to be at the forefront of that, right? You know, knowing that I've built a personal brand over the years, it's comforting to feel like I'm in a, a, in a position now that I don't need to rely upon trying to cling to these, these traditional media models that have, have been stalwarts for, for so many decades. Now, as you were building that personal brand, how did you transition from the marketing work into this kind of thought leadership part where you're, you know, also speaking on how to use the media instead of using it as a tool, you're actually talking, teaching other people how to use it. How'd you make that transition in terms of growing your personal brand and also putting out that work that, you know, that thought leadership type work? I hate to sound too presumptuous about this. And I hope that someone listens to this, this podcast in 30 or 40 years, right? When all the paradigms have been written and everything. But, you know, I remember my good friend, Vernon Ross, who was very involved with the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference, telling me this last, last summer, which was, you know, that someday they'll be writing books about us. You know, someday they'll, they'll be telling stories about our generation that is setting the precedent for how to manage building a personal brand in this era, right? There, there is no rule book. There is no right or wrong answer. I've been very blessed to connect with some of the thought leaders from generations ahead of us, you know, folks like Joel Kahn, um, who has been a huge inspiration for me over the years. And even some of the, the younger thought leaders like Brian Fanzo. I know you were chatting with Dan Gingas a little while ago, but we're writing these chapters as we go. You know, when you connect with, when you see you know, Snapchat superstars like Sean Duras and stuff. Like, there is no Snapchat precursor to someone like 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 Sean, right? So, what we're doing, whether it's it's right or wrong in the long term, is kind of becoming the rule book, right? Like, I, I get put on personal branding panels at, at different conferences, and I, I get asked to speak about you know visual storytelling and and live video and look to as an expert, and I'm like. I'm just pressing the button and, and going. You know what I mean? And, and trying to do things a little better today than I did them yesterday and try and do them a little bit better tomorrow than I'm doing them today. But it is all about experimentation. It's all about just shooting for the moon and, and, and failing fast. You know, certainly as a younger, uh, you know, in my mid-20s, I made a lot of mistakes with my personal brand. And I'm very blessed to be able to speak to college students and the next generation about the importance of avoiding those mistakes, you know, especially now, 2018, 2019, we talk about virality and, and uh, you know, how things can take off. But Brandon, I, again, I, I hate to sound presumptuous about it, but we're, you know, by being an early adopter, you know, we're really setting the standard and it's not too late to join in as an early adopter either. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like, oh, I'm part of this first wave. Like that first wave is still just arriving now closer to the shores. It is definitely not too late for people to get started with trying to build their personal brand. But boy, if you don't get started soon, you're going to get, you're going to get lost in the wash. 
Now, and what I love about that, and yeah, I'm 40, by the way, so I end up in that uh, Generation X, not quite Generation Y millennial yet. Uh, and we like to say that the, the Gen Xers built a lot of the technology. So they're like, yeah, the ones, the things that you guys figured out how to use, we, we figured out how to build it. But now the people that build it, we have to learn, you know, we have to go back and learn how to use it and all these new concepts, these things that didn't exist, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I would say everything that Gen X built, you know, I'm out here trying to break, Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, you know, my, my old boss, Al Vieira used to tell me, and he would call me Skippy, you know, I'd say, Skippy, why do you always ask why, you know? And, and that's, that's really, I think what it comes down to is just trying to maintain that, that young, that fresh approach to, to these, these thought processes, right. Is like, why, why would you go to 50 states in 100 days? And, and I would say, well, why not? It sounds awesome. It was a lot of fun. I got to explore and meet a ton of people. I got to create a project that's going to live on forever. And I got to do it because of you know, folks like Evan Spiegel, who are pioneering the Snapchat platform. So tools like that, I, I want to take them for a ride. I want to break it. I want to explore all of the use cases. I want to bring this technology to giving days where we're able to not just go live on Facebook, but go live on Facebook, you know, 19 hours in a row, because why not, right? If it, if it makes sense from a viewer perspective, then it, it's worth giving it a shot. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And we'll try something else tomorrow. But, you know, you only get one life on this earth, man. And uh, I'm not leaving this earth without giving it absolutely everything that I've got. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. The, uh, what I would like to dive into a little bit. So the funny part of the story is that you know, when I reached out, I reached out on Twitter generally, uh, which is how people are communicating these days. You know, if there's an event or conference coming up, that's how we're finding each other. And you're one of the people that reached out and said, hey, I'm here. And these, here's a couple other people that are going to be here. You know, let's connect. And it was you specifically that started this kind of community. And then when I got there, like five minutes in, ran into a Stephanie Liu and her team and they you know, immediately became friends. And it it completely changed my experience at this conference where I, you know, basically was amongst a bunch of strangers, except for the internet and Twitter. And being one of the first people there, I also learned that that's what you're talking about when you're at the conferences is Twitter. And that's one of the topics you, you kind of lean into. Uh, so I'd love to talk about Twitter specifically a little bit. How did you start to unlock Twitter and talk about that? And for the people just getting started out there, which is, which would be funny. Uh, but people that are getting started, you know, I'd love to dive into a little bit of the core lessons for that platform specifically that you like to talk to businesses about. Ooh, I love the word correlescence. That's just beautiful. I love Twitter. You know, I especially love Twitter using it for events. And I think it plays perfectly, uh, you know, the, the little story that you just told about how, you know, um, just a tweet back from me was able to introduce you to Stephanie and to Dan um, is remarkable. Right, that there are real people behind these at symbols, and there are real friendships and real relationships. And you know, to tie it back to Dan, I mean, I actually met Dan Gingis through Twitter at an event in 2014 in Atlanta called the Social Shakeup. And I'll actually be speaking at that event again uh, in about six weeks, five six weeks down in Atlanta. But because we were both tweeting about the same topic, and we were using the same hashtag at the same event at the same time. It happened to be about a, a, a panel about millennials, which featured no millennials. And Dan and I just connected on that, that simple point. We were able to, to connect in person in a room after that, uh, where there was another speaker going on. And, 
Uh, now Dan and I are best friends, you know, that I'm, I'm flying out to Chicago to go to a Cubs game with him in a few months. And, and Dan, of course, I didn't know at the time that Dan would, would someday become the vice president of, uh, and I'm going to get the title wrong, but uh, a VP of digital marketing at uh, Humana. And eventually Dan was able to get me a, a gig as a, a social media consultant with Humana based out of Louisville. Now, Dan is also a Forbes contributor. So I was able to, you know, after building a, a friendship and a relationship with Dan for, you know, five years, Dan was able to open that door for me. And now I'm a Forbes contributor. Again, when you, when you blend together this idea of using a platform like Twitter and using it to try and build relationships with intentionality, not being afraid to reach out to others in the space, kind of like you did, Brandon. And now we're here having a conversation on your podcast and you're speaking to Stephanie and you're speaking to Dan. It's really as simple as that, right? Is being patient, building relationships with intentionality, knowing where to look and, and who to look to, and knowing what your goals are. For me, Twitter has been an extraordinary platform, especially when you start introducing multimedia into the experience. And this is, this is really a lot of what I talked about at Social Media Marketing World was how to use something like a, a video response on Twitter to capture even more attention from the person that you're speaking to, right? Uh, I was tweeting about a company um, that I got introduced to uh, a few weeks ago. The company is called At Your Gate, and their their Twitter handle is At Your Gate. And I had seen that on a uh, Today Show segment with Mario Armstrong, who is a huge friend of mine, and and Carson Daly. And so I tweeted at Carson Daly and at Mario Armstrong, like, "Hey, I'm trying At Your Gate for the first time." So what, what happens first? I get a DM from the president, the, the CEO of At Your Gate, saying, man, his name is PJ Mastraccio. And he's like, he's like, Chris, we love your feedback. This is great. Let me know when you're going to use this tool for the first time. And, and we'd love to hook you up. And I'd love to shake your hand if you're ever in LaGuardia Airport. Amazing on its own, right? So I get to San Diego Airport. I use At Your Gate. I get a, donate, a donut delivered to me at San Diego Airport. And I tweet about the experience all the way through, and I tweet it at Carson Daly. And what happens is I get retweeted, quote retweeted, by Carson Daly. The access that you have on Twitter is just unbelievable. It's such a soft, fertile space to be able to make those connections with these, these people that you want to connect with. And it doesn't have to be with celebrities, and it doesn't have to be to try and get a free donut. It can be trying to get a job in your industry. It can be connecting with your customers. It can be connecting with people in your community that you, know, you want to try and build your connections locally. Whatever your objective is on social media, I can give you a use case and I can give you the formula to make it work on Twitter more so than I think any other social media platform because of that discoverability and because of that public aura around what's happening in the Twitter sphere. Now, people say that Twitter is dying. I, I could not disagree more. I just, I love the connections that we can make through Twitter. And I think the fact that this conversation is having, is happening right now is, uh, is a, a great use case as well. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it too, is figuring out, you know, not that something's dying, but are we not realizing all the potential it has, or are we not using it in, in new and different ways and exploring uh, ways to make it for our own personal communication or for our business, another tool and prioritizing it, you know, amongst all the other tools uh, you know, what's the right one for your business? Uh, for those businesses that are just kind of getting started out there, is there a, a lesson for them or like how to get started in the right way? Ignore your follower count. Don't look at the number of followers that you have. 
understand that when you're on Twitter, you're basically establishing your voice. So what I would start with is thinking about, and my friend Bella Vasta, who would make another great uh, interview subject, by the way, if you, if you wanted me to connect you with her, um, she's another social media marketing world speaker. She uses the phrase, be the destination. You know, let your social media channels be the place. And she talks specifically about Facebook groups, but I would say the same thing applies on Twitter, which is when somebody does find you on Twitter, whether it's either to offer a compliment or look for information about, you know, where your, your business is located, what's your phone number, what sort of stuff do you sell, or they're trying to reach out to you with a complaint of some kind, be the destination, be a place where you can provide information about your business and about what it is that you do. You don't have to start with this exquisite content strategy. I, I don't like listening to all of these people saying, oh, well, you have to tweet this many times a day, this many times an hour. You have to include these hashtags. Just throw all of that out, right? Here's, here's your social media marketing world Twitter speaker telling you to just literally 95% of what you should be spending your time on on Twitter is replying to your mentions and reaching out with intentionality and trying to make those connections and add value to the people that you're connecting with. Like you saw, you saw how simple it was to get in touch with me. I, I think that's really the case for a lot of people out there to an extent that, that most users don't understand is like, if you want to get in touch with somebody, uh, whether it's your customers, whether it's uh, your, your local government officials, whether it's even a celebrity in many cases, if you're adding value to their experience, if you're patient with your outreach and you're not, you're, you're, you're giving without expectation of anything in return and you're doing so publicly, you're using the, the public nature of Twitter to allow others to support you in your mission to make those connections possible. The possibilities with Twitter are still much stronger than what you might find on Facebook or YouTube or Instagram or any other social media channel. I was letting that sink in. That was... <laughs> There's a lot, but I think if, if business owners replay, rewind, listen to that again, I think the idea that you, you throw out some of the, the things that you've been hearing and you start with some intentionality around how do you want people to find you? How are you going to communicate with them uh, is, is super important. Yeah. So let me, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to add two more quick things to that, Brandon. I'm sorry. I don't mean to interrupt you, but because I, I know there are business owners listening and this is probably a very important part of the podcast. Cause you know, I've been on a thousand podcasts. You can, you can hear my story. You can check out my book if you want to learn more about 50 States, hundred days, but I want to give some more practical advice here. When I talk about be the destination, make sure that your profile is totally clean and all set up so that when people do see your brand, your business, they're seeing you in your best light. So even if you need to spend a little money to invest in a good cover photo and a profile picture, optimize that, that, that profile. And then I talked about this on, a, on, a, on an interview with Chelsea Pites, that the one tweet strategy that I could, I could give you a kick-ass Twitter strategy, sorry if I can't say ass on your podcast, with one tweet, which is write one tweet. It, let's say you have no time to tweet at all. You hate tweeting and you're just like, oh, I, I will never tweet. I cannot figure out how this platform works. I want you to write one tweet that says something along these lines. Hey, this is Brandon, you know, from the Brands on Brands on Brands podcast. I am not checking my Twitter, but if you want to get in touch with me, my email address is blah, 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 or call me during business hours at this phone number or fill out the contact form on my website. One tweet, pin that to you to the top of your profile and you can leave that tweet there as long as that information is still correct. And that one tweet 
will allow you to bridge that gap when people do find you on Twitter. And let's say you just had a blank profile, or maybe you're not on Twitter at all. Now having that one tweet strategy in place will allow people to connect with you where you want them to connect with you, call you, email you, fill out the form on my website, walk into our store during business hours, whatever it is that you want people to do, make that your first and only tweet. And I think you're going to find a lot more success on Twitter than you might anticipate. Sorry, I didn't mean to extrapolate, but no, please do. I, I get passionate about it. <laughs> well, it's it's like that billboard, like off the I seven, like two exits. There's a burger joint. If you were looking, that's where it is. Or we changed locations. Our new address is here. You know, if people are looking for you, you want to give them some way to find you, and you don't get to choose where they're looking for you. So making sure that they can find you is important. You know, you know, Seth Godin talks about this beautifully. You know, he did a, a podcast about this with Jay Bear a few months ago. It's about your brand promise, right? Nobody cares about your content strategy, right? We're just we're using we're using a content strategy to try and hook people in to what it is that we're really doing or what we're really selling, right? So your your social media approach and and your uh, your your presence there should be reflective of what your brand promise is. Now, if your brand promise includes being witty on social media and you know you want to talk about being like Wendy's and and uh, you know being sarcastically attacking followers and stuff like that. Great. Right. If you have time to do that, wonderful. That's fine. But you know what what Seth Godin would say right now would be people go to Wendy's because they want a hamburger. So I could make the case that if you're starting a hamburger joint here in Greenville, South Carolina, your entire successful Twitter strategy could be, hey, we just opened three locations in downtown Greenville. Here's the locations. Boom, boom, boom with the, the hours that they're open and the phone numbers, if that's your only tweet, I could make the case that that's even a more successful Twitter strategy because you're not spending time and resources on trying to be something that you're not, right? You're a hamburger joint. You're not a, a, a pro Twitter, right? Leave that, leave that to me. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll figure out the Twitter strategy. You sell the hamburgers. And if people are looking for you on social media or even on Google, right? That we know that Twitter shows up in your, your SEO searches sometimes. Give people a way to connect with you to be able to, you know, complete the sale and be able to get them where you want them to go. Yeah, I love that. I, I even go a step further to say, if, if you wanted to add to that, and if you want to give us feedback on what we can be doing better, leave it here where we'll actually respond to you. Go here. And I, I think that's the next sentence. That's the next part of the answer, right? Like if you put up a, a theoretical out of office tweet, and then let's say you checked it six months from now. You're going to come back and you're going to find that people are still responding to you on Twitter and they're probably looking at you quizzically like, huh? But at the very least, you've covered your bases and you said, at least you're being honest with them. And you're saying, look, I don't have time to reply to your tweets. Now, me as a, as a, as a power user on Twitter, I might interpret that a little bit differently. But if, if I came across a custard shop or something like that, that gave me that message and it was at least honest to me, I'd probably go down to that custard shop take a selfie in front of the sign, you know, or with some, some costume to be like, they weren't kidding, right? Like, they have some awesome, you know, products here, their hours are true. And I want to be an ambassador for you because at the very least, you at least spoke to me through that one message that you sent out, you know, six months ago. But, but certainly, Brandon, you know, we can make the case as social media pros that you should be listening on Twitter, you should be responding, and that there is value in doing that. Um, it's just a matter of being realistic sometimes with with business owners' needs. Yeah, and 
it's that you're setting the expectation of how you communicate. And if they're there and you've left that brief a note, you could still come back every month or so and be like, oh, looks like I missed some things because people wanted to leave something here anyway and reply. But you've set the expectation that, that you don't typically reply here, even though I'd say you should be, you should hire that person to be replying everywhere. But if that's not, if you're not there yet, that's a good strategy. And, and I like that, that idea that you throw some of those, those concepts out. I hear that on Instagram a lot too. Like there's, you know, what content strategy should I have? I have to pay someone X amount of dollars to put a bunch of pretty pictures on my feed, but they still haven't figured out, they have you know, no one following them and they haven't figured out how to A, build a customer base and, and then next figure out, you know, how to get their message in front of a bunch of people. They're still just worried about making sure it's pretty, you know? So I, I appreciate that there's old strategies and new strategies that they've got. I mean, you got to figure out what works. But therein lies, again, the fallacy of the argument, right? That if you run a brand and, and the brand that, that, you know, Seth Godin talks about in this particular podcast is Oreo. Yeah, you know, Oreo is probably the author of one of the most famous tweets of all time during the Super Bowl a few years ago when the lights went out. But the point that Seth made, and I actually played this little audio clip in my session in San Diego, is this, like, if you really want to be as relevant as Oreo on social media, then do what Oreo did 100 years ago and create a really good cookie that that kids care about right like nobody cares if you reply and you're witty on twitter if you don't have something that they really enjoy consuming right or that they get a lot of value of so whether you're a plumber or or whatever your 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 brand or your line of work that should really be your focus and then we get into the idea of shifting the governance where we want people to talk about you and about the good work that you do for them, right? I can tweet on at Social Media Marketing World all week long, but what is a significantly better strategy is to have other people come in and say, "Oh man, you know, Chris Strub really, uh, you know, rocked the house and is, you know, is, is the last session of the day on Friday." Me retweeting that gives more credence to the idea that I w- I successfully achieved what I was trying to do in San Diego than me writing like. Oh man, just destroyed it, you know, in front of this huge crowd, blah, blah, blah. If your audience is saying it for you, then Twitter is going to be a great place for you to drive them to offer that sort of feedback that you're able to, to offer. I mean, think about it. If you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to think about that, that idea in general. Would you rather go to a shop? Let's say you're Googling like a pizza place. Would you rather go to a pizza place, you know, when, when you Google it, that has a great website and has no reviews, or would you go to a pizza place that has a mediocre website but has 55-star reviews? That's exactly what we're talking about, right? And now when, when we talk about, okay, I don't have time to be on Twitter, now you're saying, okay, I'm gathering these positive reviews because I'm doing a good job with my business, but I don't care enough to share that out as part of my content strategy. I'm all about that listening first on Twitter and on social media in general so that you're able to give credence and you're able to amplify the voices that are supporting your own business there. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more with you there. I would love to change gears a little bit if you, and if the audience wants to rewind and listen to some of those, I, you know, that, I love the knowledge you're dropping on that. It is called Brands on Brands on Brands. I do want to ask you a question. Do you believe in branding or selling as something that's more important for a business long-term and why? I, I think, Brandon, that they're kind of inextricable. 
it's very difficult to to sell things these days without having a successful brand behind it. I mean, we think about where we're spending our money, even as simple you know as the grocery store, right? You know, are you more apt to buy the grocery store brand, or are you going to pay the extra dollar for you know the Heinz ketchup instead of the Publix ketchup? You know, so I don't think that you can really separate out the ideas. The way that you phrase the question, though, the idea of selling. I think it's most important to have a quality product. I think it's most important to have something that people actually want to invest in, whether it's, again, you know, a, a food stock or a, a widget of some sort, or it's a service. You know, again, you can, you can be a great salesman, but in this day and age, if you suck at what you do, eventually the people are going to drown out your voice that you're not going to be able to sell anymore because that your reputation is going to belie your actual work. So yeah, I think building a successful brand, which includes uh, you know, those sort of endorsements and those messages that are coming in from your, your core audience is probably more important these days than, than the ability to sell. But I think what precludes both of those actions is establishing a, either a product or a service that is actually of meaningful value to those who are consuming it. And then ideally your, your customers or your listeners are going to want to do the selling for you. Thank you. Thank you. And what would you say is the role of either Twitter or social media in building a brand? And why is it a priority? Well, I can really mostly speak to my own personal experience here that uh, you know, I've been very blessed to work with different big brands over the last few years. You know, I think that my personal brand has grown quite a bit. And you know, I'll just use as an example, working with the Salvation Army in, in 2017, you know, there, were, there were four national Red Kettle ambassadors for the Salvation Army uh, you know, back in, in 17. It was uh, Tony Hawk, you know, the, the world-famous skateboarder, right? Uh, Lolo Jones, the U.S. Olympian. Brody Smith, who is a famous YouTube uh, Frisbee artist, a trick shot artist. And Chris Strub. I still, when I read out those names, and unfortunately, I didn't get to meet these other three. I really wanted to get together with them, maybe go down uh, uh, Giving Tuesday and meet Tony Hawk there on the Today Show. But all three of those people have extraordinarily strong personal brands. I mean, Tony Hawk has spent decades establishing a brand as the premier skateboarder of all time. You know, Lolo Jones is one of the premier, maybe not the most successful U.S. Olympians of all time, but in terms in terms of her personal brand, um, she has really established her her name in the business. And then me. I've worked really, really hard over the years to build meaningful relationships and earn uh, media coverage and speak on as many stages as possible to try and get to that point, you know, where you're looked to in your industry and, you know, your, your outbound uh, sales efforts start to become inbound. Again, I talk a lot about these different speaking engagements that I'm, I'm heading to. I think I've spoken on probably more than 20 stages over the last couple of years. You know how many of those I've applied to speak at, Brandon? One, one. <laughs> so 95% of these opportunities that I'm getting, even working with the Salvation Army was a phone call to me that was like, hey, we see your work online. We'd love to, to try and partner with you. Would you be open to doing this? So the idea of establishing your brand allows you to be in the discussion, even when you're not in the discussion. Again, when we talk about that balance between selling yourself and creating a trusted brand that other people want to talk about, I'm really blessed to be in this position where 
my brand has reached a point where, uh, you know, I'm on the, the thoughts and the minds of, of other people. And that's, that's a product of years and years of hard work and, and dedication and patience and consistency. Oh, what I'd love to do is ask you a couple of quick hitter questions to kind of round this out. And you talked a little bit about your personal brand. If you had, you know, people that meet you, the people you work with, customers, uh, whatever you want to call it, people that interact with you, what would you want them to say about you? That I am exactly the same online as I am offline. I do not want there to be any dissonance. And, you know, Brian Fanzo says the same thing, but it's absolutely true. And so I always give credit. I feel like I should have a Fanzo jar here in my, my apartment where I put in a nickel every time I say something that Brian says all the time. But I honestly think, Brandon, that that is the single biggest compliment that you can get as a, as a speaker or even as an entrepreneur. Or again, I'll use air quotes here to use the phrase influencer, which you never want to use on yourself, but other people have, have, have coined me as such. I want to be able to fully be just Chris Strub everywhere and anywhere that I go and in any interactions that I have. And the more I travel, the more people I meet, and I do regret not being able to connect with you in person out in San Diego, but I, I, I almost feel better having connected you with some of my friends because I know that they would um, you know, hopefully say that same thing about me is that that's who I am, is, is just someone who wants to try and make the world a better place through my work and try and bring people together through the power of, of these social media networks. And, you know, in many ways, it feels like mission accomplished, you know, to be, again, I know you just recorded a, a session with Dan earlier this afternoon, but again, not to go back to the, the hit by a bus metaphor, but, you know, I know that what I've created through my personal brand has brought a lot of benefits to a lot of people over the years. And the more opportunities that I get. And it's very humbling to be invited to be on a podcast like this. And so thank you again. But the more opportunities that I get, no matter how many people are watching or listening to express those same sentiments and to just encourage people to just be good to one another and to always be supportive in any way that you can, you know, hopefully that'll be my legacy uh, someday. And hopefully uh, many years from now and many generations from now, that'll be on my tombstone is that, you know, here lies Chris. He, uh, he, he tried to make the world a better place while he was here. That's a great goal. As we have a couple minutes here before we get, get wrapped up, what brands are you obsessed with right now? I'm really uh, obsessed with, uh, with Switcher Studio. You know, I talk about the work that I'm doing with giving days around the United States. And, uh, you know, I've been on this live streaming train for several years now. And I've always been that guy that says, just press the button and just go ahead and get started with your live streaming strategy. But for me, Switcher Studio has been that key to unlock a more sophisticated broadcast and to create something that really gives that professional look and feel at every, every last turn. So I am quite obsessed with using Switcher Studio and uh, introducing others to the power of this platform that, again, for someone like me, I try and straddle that fence between those who just hold up their phone and broadcast and those of us who are you know, locked into a computer lab pressing all the crazy buttons and creating something really sophisticated that the everyday user cannot use. I'm obsessed with American Airlines. This will be a fun little uh, clip to cut out as well. So um, I use this app called Twitonomy, which um, is a great app, Twitonomy, uh, to take a look at who is tweeting with who, right? It's sort of like a, it's like going to the doctors for Twitter and you can understand who is engaging with who, who is retweeting who, who is uh, most mentioning other people. And when I looked at my own personal Twitter yesterday, 
I actually saw that my single most mentioned account uh, on Twitter is American Airlines. You know, of course, I travel around all around the United States, and uh, we have what I call an airmance. So I actually asked them, like, what it meant, you know, what would the phrase be, you know, when a man falls in love with an airline? And they actually tweeted back the phrase airmance, and now it's sort of, it's sort of become our thing. So shout out to my friends at American Airlines. It's been special. And uh, especially here as a, as a single guy living the, the hashtag bachelor life, as you guys see on my, my Instagram stories all the, all the time. You know, I, I say it sarcastically, but the single best relationship that I have these days is with, uh, is with American Airlines over there on Twitter. Well, I think you may have answered my next question, but I'll ask it anyway, which is what brands do you trust? I mean, I trust American Airlines. That is for sure. It, it's really funny. Brandon, we could do an entire hour, I think, just on answering this question. That's why I made it a quick hitter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, as you, you can tell here from our conversation, I like to go on and on with my answers. But you know, even just looking around my apartment, you know, I, I trust Publix, uh, supermarkets. I've become very close with Uber as I'm an Uber driver. You know, and, and I also trust a lot of individuals. I love answering the, these questions about what brands do you trust with, with people, right? And we've named some of the names, you know, between Fanzo, you know, Gingis and, and Roberto Blake, Sean Ayala and Mario Armstrong. People are brands too, right? I am a brand. You know, I am the I am here brand. You know, you're certainly a brand. I saw your, your backdrop, the black and white graffiti backdrop there while we're recording here on Zoom. You know, brands on brands on brands on brands. Like, I don't know if you're a Seinfeld fan. Brandon, but you know, the idea of, of worlds colliding, that's where we're at these days is that the people that, you know, the inmates are taking over the asylum, right? <laughs> that the, the walls are, are starting to collapse between what is really a brand and the individuals that are, are communicating with those brands. And it's an exciting time to be at that forefront where those communications are, are starting to take shape. Now, before we close out, where can people find you? Obviously, Twitter, I'm going to guess, is where you, where you are active the most. But uh, give that handle again for people. So my, my Twitter handle is at Chris Strub, And you can quite literally find me at, at the Midwest Digital Marketing Conference in St. Louis uh, in the middle of April. I'm not sure when this broadcast is coming out, but uh, the Social Shakeup at the beginning of May. I'll be speaking at the Social Rock Conference in Rockford, Illinois in mid-May. I'll be keynoting Social Media Day Houston at the end of June. And I'll also be at Social Media Week Lima in Lima, Ohio, in the middle of June. So really, when people ask Chris, where can we find you? It's like, come actually find me. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's really what we're here for, right? Is making friends. And, you know, I know Brandon was out in San Diego, you know, where we met up with a, a bunch of different people ourselves. But that to me is what it's really about. Use social media as a mechanism to connect with real people in real life, because there's nothing like it, as I'm sure Brandon would tell you as well about social media marketing world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's, I, I was surprised at how effective it was to reach out to people directly and say, I'm going to be here, love, would love to shake your hand. And how many people actually reached back out and said, great, let's do it. So couldn't agree more with that. And would like, just like to say thank you. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for reaching out and starting some of this, this kind of domino effect for me. I appreciate you. And uh, it was great talking to you today. Brandon, thanks so much for your time, man. This has been fantastic. And um you know, good luck. I hope all your listeners rewind back and they listen back to that, that 10 minute actionable Twitter tips too. It was a lot of fun giving some, some strong actionable advice and uh, glad, to be, glad to be here. You've just taken your marketing knowledge to another level with this episode of Brands on Brands on Brands. But we have plenty more ways to not just help you build a business, but build a brand. 
Head over to brandonbrands.com for more resources, as well as access to our blogs, videos, and exclusive coaching sessions with your host. Be sure to visit brandonbrands.com.